Welcome back to episode three of Gearing Up with Sean Dunn and Tristan Kirkham, where today we're going to talk about the first round of the um, PLO College Draft. So first off, we have Jeff Teat going to the Atlas. So I just want to know what your opinion was kind of on that, Sean. Uh, you know, Jeff Teat going to the Atlas, it's a huge contribu- contribution. He's going to be a huge contribution to the Atlas. Uh, we've talked about many times, you know, they lost Rob Pinnell and uh, Ryan Brown. Uh, I, I did think Michael Sowers was going to go first, but he ended up going second. Uh, not really surprised there. Um, and then, uh, what do you think? Jeff T didn't play all year. Hey, cause, uh, Cornell didn't have a season. Yeah. Do you really think about it? Like nobody's seen Jeff T play lacrosse for a whole year, maybe a year and a half. Yeah, I know. I definitely agree with you, but one thing I could, I, I guess kind of use to support Jeff T's game is that he's been playing box up in uh canada and brampton and he's been playing senior for the past i think it's like three or four years like he's been playing senior since he was in his last few years of junior so he's proven that he can play against guys that are playing the pros consistently because you have teams in that league that like for example pierbo lakers who are filled with guys who play in the nll pll um just loaded with talent and he's proven that he can hold his own in that game kind of there um with that being said i feel like he's definitely gonna be an asset like you said for the Atlas just because they did lose Rob Pinnell. And I feel like with Jeff Teat now, they can have Jeff Teat on the wing and attack, and then they can move Eric Law down to X to kind of fill in what Rob was doing because Eric Law is not too much of a shoot-first kind of guy. He's more of a pass-first kind of guy. So he definitely fits that X role, and he doesn't need the ball as often as Rob Pinnell did. So I feel like that's definitely going to help their offense. Um, And then, obviously, they got rid of Ryan Brown, so that – righty kind of side still up in the question but I feel like he's definitely gonna be an asset um I also thought that Michael Sowers would go first overall actually as well so I was kind of surprising seeing him going number two to the water dogs um what were your original thoughts on that when you saw that well you know what we were just talking about with uh Jeff Teat so the the coach um uh of the Atlas actually said so, like, what made him pick Jeff Teat first was his uh, performance against the best players in the world and being the leading scorer for Team Canada, which with the summer games, um, he was the leading scorer of Canada. So, I mean, that does show that you can compete with the best. So, I, I guess that's that's where it goes. But uh, Michael Sowers with the Water Dogs, is that what you asked me, right? Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I'm not really too sure on – the rest of the Water Dogs attackmen, who do they have right now? Uh, for attackmen, they had Ryan Drenner. And they had, I mean, um, I feel there was their lefty attackman kind of filtered in and out. I can't remember who were the two guys they ran. And the righty attackman was the same thing. So they didn't have a consistent lineup. But they did yeah. have some midfielders, such as like Zach Courier and all that. But their attack wasn't too predominant, I would say. Yeah, I would have to agree on that. Yeah. Um, but yeah, no, ben I definitely Reeves. Yeah. Ben Reeves. They they do have Ryan Brown now. Yeah, yeah. That's so he'll take over that righty spot. He he'll take over that righty spot on attack, and then you do have yeah. Ben Reeves who's a lefty. I, so I mean I guess the, I could see the Water Dogs offense being a pretty good offense this year, man. Yeah, especially if Michael Sowers who can yeah. obviously deal the ball at X and dish it out, rip it. Michael Krause, Kieran yeah. McGriddle. 
Yeah, they definitely picked up some guys in the expansion draft as well. So I feel like their offense is definitely going to be something to mess with in the near future. Um, Then you go to the Chrome picking JT Giles Harris. Not much to really say there. I think the Chrome will have a pretty good uh, defense coming up this year. Definitely. Um, I think the Chrome defense was pretty strong in the last year too. Like they, uh, they got some good LSMs and some good defensive core kind of guys. But I feel like picking up JT is definitely a great, great pick. Um, you yeah. can't really go wrong with picking him, even if you already have some notable defenders. Um, yeah, Jesse Bernhardt. Yeah, he's been ripping up um his season at Duke so far, and he's just proven that if you give him a matchup. For example, I'm sure him and Michael Sowers go at it every day in practice. Oh, yeah. And that's every number day, one you know, versus number two. Yeah, definitely. So he's definitely shown that he can kind of hold his own no matter who his opponent is. Um, so I feel like he's definitely going to give that depth to the Chrome because, I, like I said already, like they've got a defensive core already. So just adding depth is just going to allow them to kind of, I would say, last longer in games potentially where in the last couple of years they were kind of a younger team and, I wouldn't say they had too much depth, so it would be kind of the first three quarters they were in the game, they'd kind of fall off in the fourth quarter. So it's definitely going to be interesting to see how they kind of handle the situation now, having JT there, and he's definitely a guy that will be uh, on the lookout. Now, TD Erling going to the Redwoods, I don't see a surprise there. He's the best face-off guy in college lacrosse right now, and there's no doubt about that. I mean, you can't really argue it too much. Uh, looking at Jared Connors, he's one of the better at LSMs, uh, you know, for his class, most definitely. There might be a couple maybe better. I'm not too sure. But Jared Connors is definitely the best LSM right now in the draft, uh, no doubt, or coming out of college. Yeah, I definitely uh, agree O'Keefe. there. Yeah, Mac yeah. O'Keefe, uh, all-time point leader, right? Yeah, he just surpassed that. Cross, right? Yeah, he just surpassed that, I believe it was last week. Um, That's crazy. He holds the record now. So he passed Lyle Thompson, which is at the time when Lyle said it, it seemed like it was untouchable. But now with the COVID year, his fifth year, coming back to Penn State, definitely allowed him to get in a couple more games, I would say. But now he's just – I feel like that record's going to be untouchable for a while now. Oh, yeah, no doubt. It was something like 250-something goals. Like, that's just incredible. unheard of. Unheard of. Literally incredible. That's like – you gotta yeah. what do you gotta do fifty points or fifty goals a year almost. Yeah, and he's that's been doing that insane. since his freshman year. Yeah, it's and the, and it's to take insane. note. Yeah, and to take note, he plays attack, obviously, but he's not your typical American attack kind of player. He's only got one no. hand. He's a dominant left hand like left handed player. So to be doing that with just solely one hand where typically guys like my, Michael Sowers who have both hands, they can shoot, they can pass with both hands just as consistent as the other. Um, and then you look at Mac O'Keefe, who's just got his left dominant hand, but obviously that hasn't held him back, and he doesn't have a problem with that. So Now, uh, Tristan, anything with the seventh and eighth pick, the Whip Snakes taking Connor Hurst from Rutgers, and then the Atlas taking Docs Aiken, which is actually that's another uh, asset to their offense. Yeah. So Atlas offense might look pretty good this year too. Yeah, especially after they dished out some very notable guys, such as like Ryan Brown, like we said earlier, Rob Patel, and uh, Paul Rabel. I feel like they're definitely kind of coming back with the younger core, so it'll definitely be interesting. Like their coach said earlier in the year, he's looking to clean out the kind of the old team. They weren't winning. They had too many guys that kind of wanted to carry the ball all the time. But I think with this young core, it's going to allow for them to grow together. I mean, obviously, these guys have played together, not together, 
necessarily. They probably played together at some point during high school, but they've been playing against each other in college for some time now. They definitely have a relationship of some sort. So it's mm-hmm. definitely going to be uh, pretty Indeed. fun to watch them play this summer, especially with Docs Aiken and uh, Jeff Teat with new additions. You know, I'm excited to see Connor Hurst, uh, Connor Hurst play against some of the best because, you know, I, I didn't really hear his name like too much in the past couple of years besides yeah. I know he transferred from somewhere and went to Rutgers. I don't remember what school exactly he transferred from. But... Yeah, I'm. I don't recall exactly. I just know it was a lower Division One school. Yeah. Um, he wasn't too well known until I'd say probably halfway through his junior year was kind of when he burst on the stage, and obviously this year, um, he's been lighting it up. Um, that's another guy who's, I wouldn't say he's okay. as one-handed as Mac O'Keefe, but he's definitely kind of levitates towards his left hand more than his yeah. right. Um, Big dude, he, though. He uses his body very well. Yeah, exactly. And he's uh, – his, I would say body control uh, definitely around the crease is just insane. His ability to kind of know where the crease is without even kind of looking down. If you look at some of his highlights, his eyes are just right. set on the corner and he's pretty aware of where he is avoiding the crease and staying out. So it's just – that's something you can't teach. Yeah. So he transferred from Villanova. That's where he came from. Yeah. And then uh, I wanted to kind of go back and talk about TD because obviously Greg Grendelin, who is probably one of the best face-off time, like face-off guys of all time, played for the Redwoods. So he definitely has a connection. And it's kind of funny because he did teach and kind of coach TD growing up all throughout high school. So it's, it's definitely not a not a secret that they have a relationship there. I'm sure TD and Greg talk all the time and I'm kind of questioning if Greg kind of put something in the Redwoods coaches year to say, Hey, like TD's your man, just because ever since Greg did leave, they have struggled at the X uh, with the Redwoods. So, yeah, I mean, they got two guys, uh, Payne Smith out of Marist and Greg, I'm not, not too sure how to pronounce his last name, but it's Pascal John. Pascal Jean. Yeah. So the guy uh, that both those guys, yeah, yeah. they don't, I don't don't think they're too good. So yeah, the guy they picked up from Maris, yeah, the guy they picked up, uh, they picked up from Maris was, I would say he's a pretty good, pretty good player in college. Obviously making the transition, yeah, exactly. He's still young. He's only played one year in the league, but definitely making that transition of pro lacrosse is going to be a little bit shocking at first, just as it is. High school to college is just it's a completely different game, in general, but. I feel like with them picking up TD, this kind of allows them to use utilize that third face-off guy as maybe trade bait. Um, so that's definitely something to look forward to. I feel like TD is definitely going to be the guy they go to the most. Obviously, he's just super consistent. I mean, he only spent half a year at Denver this year because obviously the, the Ivy League doesn't allow fifth-year athletes, so he had to kind of get out of there pretty quick um, mm-hmm. and ended up at Denver. And I believe it was his first game at Denver, he won 100% of the draws he took. Yeah, 14 for 14. Yeah, so I'm excited to see him go up against Trevor Baptiste because we did see that matchup. Uh, TD In college freshman. all the time. Yeah, we saw that TD's freshman year. Um, yeah. when we got one, one, year, one year of that. And uh, I think they played twice. So we did get the privilege to watch them kind of go head-to-head twice. But it's definitely going to be – Pretty interesting seeing them go to head-to-head out maybe three times a year for the next probably coming 15 to 20 years. So It'll be interesting to see how it uh, helps their offense too, or just team in general. Because, you know, 
winning face-off draws is a is a big thing in lacrosse, and yeah, you need a lot of them to win the game. Yeah, possessions no, no, is definitely no. the big one there, and especially I mean the pro league, the you can still carry the ball in the back of your stick if you want to. So just having those old abilities to kind of go down on one knee, go to two, like you can use motor grip now again in the pros where you can't do that in college now. I feel like it's definitely mm. something yeah, where uh, that's huge. Yeah, the face-off guys definitely going to be relied on a lot more in pro lacrosse than it is in college lacrosse. Um, so it would definitely be interesting to see if, how they utilize him if they're trying to keep him on the field because the field is shorter it's a quicker game pros, but it will definitely be fun to watch. So talking about actually, like I, w- I wanted to talk a good good bit about this. Jared Bernhardt, yeah. uh, I would say he's definitely the best player in college across right now, no doubt. Um, he was about to leave uh, across was going to get canceled for uh, this spring, so he was about to leave and play football, and then. They were having a lacrosse season, so he came back to play lacrosse. He put on some weight. He gained some strength. Uh, he got faster, man. I'll tell you what. He came back, and he's one of the best players I've seen in a while, personally. And um, he is going to do something like Pat Spencer, where Pat, Pat Spencer was one of the best players in college lacrosse, if not the best. And he won the Tour Town, right? Pat, uh, Spencer? Pat Spencer did, yes, his senior year. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm guessing Jared Bernhardt wins it this year. Jared Bernhardt's going to go play football after this, apparently. And uh, he, he's got another year of college or college eligibility, and he's going to use it for football. And then you see Pat Spencer. He used his extra year at uh, Northwestern playing basketball. And now he's in – he's in like a German league. I'm pretty yeah. Sure. It's pretty crazy. He's, yeah, he's he balling out there. He's, he's playing good. Yeah, he just signed that contract, I believe it was two days ago, to play in the German league. So it's pretty – Pretty interesting to see where he's ended yeah. up. He played a game and he scored twenty points, I think seven seven boards. It's pretty cool seeing that. But I'm I'm wondering about Jared Bernhardt because you know I, I'm wondering too if he would have went first in this draft, or at least first or second be, before Jeff T or before Michael Sowers. Yeah. I think that would have been cool to see. Yeah, I definitely agree. I feel like he's definitely a top three pick, especially of this draft class. Even though there's so much talent, it's just a player like Jared Bernhardt doesn't come around every single year. He's once in a generation kind of talent. Same with Pat um, Spencer. Exactly. It's, it's yeah. Crazy. Yeah, exactly. So I feel like he definitely would have been the top three pick. Like you said, um, with him going to football, I mean, if you look into his family's background, um, his father who recently passed away in the last couple of years um, was a college football coach. He did some stuff in the pros um, and football was just kind of a major part of their life growing up. So it's not too surprising to see him want to use that extra year to go kind of play football and fulfill his dad's kind of, I guess, I wouldn't say dream necessarily because his dad were very, like, was very supportive of him and his brother playing lacrosse. Obviously, he's got two brothers that play in the pros now. Um, <coughs> There's some absolute athletes in that family. But I feel like with his father passing away a couple of years ago, he just always kind of wanted to go back that football road and kind of make his dad proud. Um, so it's definitely going to be interesting to see where he ends up with this because, I mean, it wouldn't be wouldn't be a too far stretch to say that he has a possibility of making an NFL. I mean, you never know. The draft is so big, you really, right? You really don't ever know. The draft yeah. is really big. It's it's so much different from, you know, lacrosse or 
you know, a lot of other sports. Yeah, so it'll definitely be interesting what he does there. Um, like you said, he tried to do it in the fall, but obviously COVID canceled their season yet again. So he's going to look to do that, I believe, this upcoming fall um, once he's done with Maryland here. Obviously, like you said as well, um, he's definitely making a run for the Torrenton. Um, when he played the game against Rutgers a couple of weeks ago, he was just scoring at will. He looked like he was not even trying. And he Insane. Was I've watched him so many times in the past week or not week, maybe three weeks. And I'll, I swear he's just so fast and electric and it's crazy the things he can do. If he actually, you know, most people, most coaches don't want you to force the ball every time, but I think with his talent and athleticism, seeing him push the ball every time to see how many goals he could score would be just unbelievable. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Maryland, actually the big rivalry game um, happened this past weekend. It was Johns Hopkins versus Maryland. Yeah. Uh, matchup of down the road colleges um so obviously they're close in proximity they're neighbors and this just kind of brings me back to jared bernhardt because i believe he opened up maryland scoring with two back-to-back goals and they're yeah. absolute beauties and then he <clears throat> ends up completing his hat trick before even halftime and while doing that it looked like he was not even trying he was just scoring at will just having a blast with it one goal would be go super quick. The next goal, he would take it nice and slow and take his defender for a nice little slow dance. So it's definitely intriguing and pretty fun to watch him play nowadays. You know, funny thing actually about Jared Bernhardt too. I uh, in high school, he his he went to Lake Brantley High School and they came to play us at home, and he was the quarterback for their team. They ran a triple option, and I swear he was he was unbelievable at football he's so fast and he could even throw the ball pretty well but you know they ran a triple option so it was kind of cool seeing him play there and then seeing him be one of the best college of cross players right now yeah i think it just comes down to his whole family just being athletes in general i mean obviously his brothers played football growing up just because their dad was so integrated in the game of football like i said earlier um, and then obviously they definitely have a great ability to play lacrosse as his two older brothers are in the pros and he's definitely going to be in the pros sometime in the near future. Uh, but it's definitely going to be intriguing to see him play some football just because he's a great athlete, like I said, and he's, he's definitely put on some weight and not bad weight. He's put on some good weight. He's definitely oh, yeah. gained some speed. So I guess the sky's the limit for this kid. It really is. All right, yeah. so let's dig more into the second round of the PLL draft because, you know, the first first round there wasn't really any surprises. I feel like what's your biggest surprise here in the, in the first round? Um, So for me, it would be, although we did say Jared Bernhardt is going to go play right. college football, I was kind of expecting someone to take a kind of a risky pick and take him and the take first Take him either round. way. Yeah, just because what yeah. if football doesn't – and that, yeah, that was yeah. that was what happened with Pat Spencer. I'm pretty sure Pat Spencer also got picked first, yeah. and then he ended up playing basketball either way. Yeah, and then uh, so it's just gonna be very intriguing because, like, obviously the pandemic isn't over yet, and we're no, it's not far away yeah. away from yeah, it. far away away. Yeah, so it wouldn't be ter- like terribly surprising if COVID did have some effect on his football teams kind of possibility of having a complete season this fall so if he gets word of that this summer would you think that he'd 
ultimately turn to playing pro across immediately. Like, if he's not drafted, obviously he can't play now, and he's kind of lost out on some money. But I thought a team would kind of take that early in the first pick. I mean, obviously he got picked off later in the draft today, but I thought some teams in the first round would definitely take that risk just because he is such a once-in-generation kind of talent um, that he would definitely be worth the, uh, the risk for that. Yeah, you know, I think I think teams were probably looking at the same thing with Pat Spencer, like I just said. <clears throat> you know, teams were – you know, I've watched Maryland a lot of past couple weeks, like I said, too, and I feel like it's been a consistent theme that the announcers are talking about him playing football and, like, what he's going to do after college. So it could be one of those things where it's kind of been communicated throughout the PLL and all the teams that Jared Bernhardt, He's playing college football after, and he's not going to the PLL. Yeah. But, but I feel like at that point, they maybe see that and don't even bother taking the risk. But I could see something happen. That would be pretty cool if, you know, not that I don't want it to work out for him with football, but it would be pretty cool to see what happened if he uh, football didn't really work out and he came back to lacrosse. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Um, So the second round uh... – there are some notable names in this round. Obviously, you got Ryan Tierney from Hofstra. You got Trey LeClaire, who's the leading goal scorer at Ohio State and the ultimate goal scorer at Ohio State. He's, I believe he just set the record a couple of weeks ago for them. You got Ryan Tarafanko, who's from also Ohio State, um, an absolute stud of a two way midfielder. And then you have Jake Carraway, who's actually, I mean, I feel like we're saying this with like every other player nowadays. Um, he's actually the leading goal scorer in Georgetown history, I believe, and the same with the points. So you definitely have some notable names that went off in the second round. Um, what would be your biggest surprise from that round? On the second round? Yeah. Is that... uh, you know, I, I'm honestly really surprised. So Jack Hilti going first pick in uh, the second round, that's not too much of a surprise. Jack, Jake Carraway. Uh, Danny Logan, Ryan Terfinko, Trey LeClaire, all those guys are definitely worthy of being picked to the PLL. But, you know, in general, I'm surprised not to see Chris Gray on this list, man. Yeah, that's definitely I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think he has another year of eligibility. No, Sorry, I, I almost coughed I, there. <laughs> I don't believe he does because he transferred from Boston after his sophomore year, went to UNC. Um, he may be – senior this year so there's a possibility that he does have his COVID year still but I can't see a player like him utilizing that just because he has the possibility to make some money right now um I think the reason we saw a lot of these guys go back for their fifth year is because they didn't get to complete their senior years where Chris Gray that wasn't necessarily the case I don't think um so it definitely be intriguing to see what he decides on but yeah I definitely thought he'd go early in this draft just because he's such a talented player. Obviously, UNC was undefeated for I don't even know how many games. They just lost to Duke, Mm -hmm. I believe it was a month ago. And they basically went a full season, if you really look back at it, because they ended, what, early March last year. And then they played until I think their loss against Duke came mid-March. So they played a full season technically of – lacrosse with Chris Gray and they never lost a game ever since he showed up on campus yeah and uh honestly so you asked me what I thought the biggest surprise to second round was and Ryan Tierney from Hofstra you know he's he's unbelievable he's a good player good athlete but I think seeing if, if you don't see him making the plays he's made 
in the past couple months, maybe this past spring, this season, you don't see him making those plays, making those unbelievable goals and assists and all that at Hofstra this year. I don't, I don't see him getting drafted. I yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, even though his obviously his father has ties with the PLL and Hofstra men's across. But, yeah, I just kind of look back at it because he has had so many highlight plays this year in the past couple of years. I definitely think without those, I don't see him getting drafted, just like you said. Especially when there's – I feel like there's a couple names on here that, you know, we're not really thinking of right now, but that should definitely be on this list and should have definitely gone drafted to the PLL. Yeah, so, I mean, I'm not saying he's a terrible player. He's definitely a very talented player. Oh, he's player. very good. He's really yeah, good. Yeah, he's – Definitely got some insane plays, but yeah, if he didn't blossom up in his, I believe it was junior and senior year, I think his path to the league has been very, very different. Um, I feel like obviously he's such a talented player, he would have ended up in the league somehow, some way, some whether that's really yeah, down the road. But I feel like if it, those highlight plays, it definitely would have been harder on him. Obviously, he's proven the last two years that he's. One to belong. Um, he's definitely held his own against some of the best defenders in the league, and definitely all college lacrosse. I mean, they played UMass not too long ago, and he just pulled up from the wrong side of the field from like two yards above goal line and just stung a corner. So the kid definitely has talent dripping his blood. No doubt. No doubt. Then, so I wonder what some of these names I know we're, we're missing in here. Um, one guy I kind of wanted to touch on was Tanner Cook. He's a fellow Canadian, just like myself. Oh, yes. Um, he's a big yes. body. He's from Whippy in Ontario. So Talented he's, kid. Talented yeah, kid. He's, yeah, he's definitely, uh, I mean, he's one-handed like myself, so I can't really trip him too much. And you got a little right hand. Don't, don't put yourself down like that. <laughs> it's coming along, hey? Yeah. It's in you the come work. back it's in next fall. You got yeah. a long summer. It's all right. You got time to work on it. Yeah, it's in the works. But, uh, you know, I challenge you now, actually. I challenge you. <laughs> I accept it. I'll, I'll take the work. Um, so Tanner Cook, he's definitely a big body. Um, he's a traditional box player. Um, I was kind of surprised to see him go this late just because, yeah, maybe he's not too fancy of a player. But, I mean, he does what he's supposed to do. He puts the ball in the back of the net. So how do you beautiful feel about mitts. that? Yeah, you know, I mean, Tanner Cook, he's got, he's got beautiful mitts. You know, catches mostly everything, finishes mostly everything. Uh he does have some fancy finishes, but I think that's just kind of fundamentals coming from where he's from in uh, yeah. Canada and playing lots of box lacrosse, being one-handed. I feel like you kind of have to use some different techniques and different moves to uh, put the ball in the back of the net. And Tanner Cook's one of those guys, and I think his size really helps with that. You know, I think he's six four, like two two twenty probably. And with those mitts, <laughs> that's it's it's hard to stop him. Yeah, so um, I'm not sure if you remember this too too much because, I mean, it wasn't too popular either, <clears> but they were playing, I believe it was UNC versus High Point at the time. And this ended up being the game-winning goal when Tanner Cook grabbed his defender's stick and caught the ball one-handed while holding the defender's stick at the same time, yes. and he ended up scoring. Um, So we kind of talked about using only his one hand. Uh, I just thought it was kind of funny because you mentioned how like you sometimes have to be creative and use kind of different moves when you're a one-handed yeah. player. That's something they kind of teach you in Canada <coughs> uh, growing up playing box across. You're kind of taught to grab your defender's stick, maybe throw it out of the way when the ref's wow. not looking. 
Um, so I just I got a good laugh out of that, seeing him do that in the college across and it not being called. So what were your thoughts on that? Because I I mean that's not something you see like see every day, just because normally refs would catch that. It's just kind of funny though how it was all over social media and the ref obviously yeah. didn't see it. So I've actually watched you know I've watched quite a bit of college across this year, and I think more so than a couple other years, but. Watching Tanner Cook, I've seen him actually a couple of times catch it with just one hand on the stick, right hand on the stick, and try to finish. So I feel like his his right hand is kind of when he's in close, he finishes with just one hand, he catches it with one hand, finishes with one hand. And yeah. uh, I think that's pretty cool. It's just you get some different techniques in box lacrosse, like you said, with the you know, grabbing the defender's stick and how you're kind of tall like that. You get some of the Sneaky ways to score, sneaky ways to get past guys. And I think box kind of allows that, uh, that creativity. Yeah, creativity to add to your game. Yeah, no, it's definitely kind of funny. And then, like, one other thing that he does that, uh, I guess you are taught in box at a young age is you kind of rub your back up against someone and you're cutting through and you kind of give them a little hip, hip, I guess hip check to kind of budge him out of the way. Mm-hmm. Um, that's something I've seen him kind of utilize, and you don't see too many people use that, utilize that anymore because moving picks are being called more often. But it's just the little things like that to kind of like, I would say, mess with your defender, maybe get in their head a little bit. That's just kind of funny to see him do that. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So did you have any big surprises in the third round or no? Um, what is the third round looking like? Uh, it's not too notable. Um, I mean, obviously, you had Peter Depp, from number nine, from Syracuse. He was, I mean, he's a great, great He's a good teammate. He's a big he's athletic just, guy. His only downfall, in my opinion, would be um, that when he gets the ball, sometimes he tends to force it a little bit to the attackmen when they're not necessarily open. Right. I mean, he's a big, strong kid, and he's definitely got the talent to run it. I think he just kind of gets trigger-happy to the point where – I'm not sure if it's his coaches or him. Maybe it's his coaches telling him, hey, like, you're a D-man. You're not supposed to carry the ball when you're on the offensive side. So I think he kind of forces it out too quick. But um, that's honestly his only downfall I see is his ability to carry the ball on the offensive side. But, yeah, no, it's kind of surprising to see him go this low in the draft. Um, I mean, yeah. like I said, I didn't see him going in the third round. <clears throat> Maybe he'd be a low second-round pick. Yeah, I agree. And then, obviously, Jared Bernhardt, we talked about earlier, he got picked up in the third oh, he round. Did. Yeah, he got picked okay. up by the chaos. So, I mean, I don't see how well he, he'll he fit in with the chaos. I mean, obviously, he's once-in-a-generation talent, like I alluded to earlier, so he's going to have to fit in some way or some, some form. Uh, so it's definitely, definitely nice to see some team take a gamble on him. Obviously, there's the possibility that he comes back. But besides that, it wasn't too notable. I mean, you had Colin Squires from Denver, who's a defenseman. And then really the only other notable person would be Kyle Thornton from Notre Dame, who also plays long long pole. So besides that, it was just kind of some lower D1 guys. But, yeah. Yeah, still lots of lots of talent coming in the PLL this year. Definitely, definitely. That's good to see. Yeah, and then uh, that's all we have for Episode 3 of Gearing Up With – Sean Dunn. And Tristan Kirkham, thanks for tuning in. Thank you.